When we have people over and a lot of Kyle's friends, like they tend to cluster together and they get into arguments about like whether a, a like whether a hot dog is a sandwich or something like that. Like that that argument will go on for like hours. So I feel like that sort of personality um, likes this game a lot. Howdy, friends. Craig here. This is a very unique episode for Tabletop Talk. Uh, I have three guests. All three of these guests are significant others and live with people in the hobby. And what I try to do here is really try to understand what it takes um, and what it's like to uh, be in love and to live with somebody who's a tabletop gamer. So we talk about um, how to manage time, how to manage space. Uh, we talk about what is the personality of a gamer and... Um, um, how does that translate to real life? And uh, all three of these uh, people do, do a great job of really kind of giving us an understanding of what the other side is. Um, most of you guys and gals listening are tabletop gamers, and you might find it interesting to know how the people that are in relationships with you think about all of it. And uh, there's some good advice at the end and how to be uh, a better spouse and a better boyfriend and a better girlfriend um, to your non-gamer significant other. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. This roundtable episode has a different focus than really any other episode we've done on the show. My three guests are all in relationships or married to both gamers and content creators. So my first guest is Paris King, and now you know her lesser half, Kyle Bodie. He puts out the Great Schemes and Stones podcast. So Paris, welcome to the third floor. Thank you. Good to have you. <laughs> so Paris, I guess the first thing, um, do you yourself um, get it all into miniature gaming? No, not at all. I'm not into gaming of any sort. Oh, really? So you don't yeah. do board games or anything? Uh, rarely board games. Kyle tries yeah. to get me to get into that, but um, not really, no. So it's really kind of two separate lanes for you and Kyle then, right? Kyle has his thing, you have your thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so. so what is your thing? Um, I'm into cooking and knitting and there's actually a lot, it seems like there's a lot of overlap between the, the knitters and the gamers, um, <laughs> at least among, among the people I know. But, um, yeah, I'm more into, to those sorts of things. Um, okay. uh, yeah, Kyle, he, he tries, I, he specifically tries to find games that I would be into, but, um, yeah, I, I think I find that a lot of the games he thinks are not complicated, quote unquote, are we sit down and I'm just like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd say we're, we're pretty separate on that. Yeah. And, and it's just it's one of those things where it, it, it obviously you don't have a whole lot of interest in it. Um, but uh, 
you know, you've got your own thing. Um, and we're going to dig into a lot of that um, as we continue on. Now, my second guest is Alex Elizabeth. Now, Alex, uh, your lesser half is Tom Panna. Tom puts out a great YouTube channel called TNG Productions. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, so, Alex, welcome back to the third floor. Hi. And I say welcome back because your other half had been on here before. But, uh, Alex, how about you? Do you uh, get caught up either in mini gaming or board gaming or anything else? Um, a little bit. I um, I have played a few of the games that Tom does do on the channel. Um, Guild Ball, which was kind of the one he did when a lot when we first started dating. I sort of did that because he would be recording and I would not know what he was actually talking about right. or a lot of what was being said. And so I said, you'll just have to sit me down and, and I'll play it and... And so that I understand what you're doing when you're actually recording. So, um, but yeah, no, I do like sort of puzzles and, and games and things, but sort of, I don't do as much of the game and stuff as Tom does now. Right. And, um, so your interest in doing it was more to understand what Tom was doing versus I really want to get into this. To begin with, but then I've sort of, as I kind of played the, first, I think the walking dead actually was the first one that I played because I think going straight into Guild Ball would have been too heavy. Yeah. Um, so I think just to kind of familiarize me and sort of baby steps, I did The Walking Dead and really, really loved that. And then was like, okay, well, let's see what the other ones are. And then I've done Wild West Exodus as well. I haven't touched... Oh, wow. I, yeah, I haven't touched Malifaux with a barge pole because I think with that being newish to Tom as well, I think yeah. he needs to get familiar and then he can kind of lead me into it, but... Yeah, and Malifo is pretty intense. It takes it takes a lot of time effort uh, to get into it. So yeah. um, it, unless you really love it, I I don't necessarily think <laughs> spending your time there is good. So uh, my third guest is somebody that I happen to know pretty well. Uh, it's my wife, Andrea. So Andrea, welcome to the third floor. Well, I guess not welcome to the third floor. You own half of it. Um, maybe I don't really <laughs> touch the third floor a lot. Um. But yeah, hi. How nice so, of you to have me. <laughs> so, Andrea, out of curiosity, is there anything that resonated with you on what uh, either Paris or Alex were saying? Uh, I don't touch games either. So, solidarity, sister. Um, I, uh, it's it, the not understanding what anyone is talking about is pretty much most of any sort of conversation we have about we have about gaming, which is not often. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I also love to cook. I've tried to knit. I don't have the patience for it. Um, but good on you because I think I've made a washcloth and I was like, Whew, that is enough. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, but, um, I, I get that. I don't, I, I don't touch these games and Craig knows this. Um, I get really, I get really frustrated when I don't understand something fairly quickly. Um, which is a horrible trait and a terrible trait for a gaming person. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't carry that, that gene. Um, I do believe our daughter does though. I think she, she likes, she likes that stuff. So. All right, guys. So really what I want to try to learn from these guys is try to give us a little bit of insight on what I think is a lot of the significant others out in the audience, um, because the people that listen to this podcast are gamers and uh, a good number of you um, have significant others. And what I was kind of hoping to do is give a little bit of insight. The, the idea behind this um, podcast was uh, conversations that I've had with Andrea um, and Andrea and I have been married for well over a decade now. And, you know, one of the things that her and I work on um, in our relationship is finding the balance between 
this hobby, both as a gamer and as a content creator, and actually spending time with my family and my daughter, God forbid. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting conversation. And I'd be, I uh, was really hoping to get some more people, um, that are in that situation. And Alex and Paris were perfect because not only are there, um, significant others, uh, gamers, but they're also content creators. Um, so I want to start off, um, maybe with you, Paris. Um, how did you, at what point in your relationship, uh, with Kyle, did you find out he was a gamer or did you know that right from go? Um, pretty much right from go. Yeah. I think he, that was like one of the first questions he asked me was if I was, if I was into playing games and, and I wasn't. So, but yeah, um, we met, we met in a, when I was in grad school and he was working in, in the, the college town we were at. And, um, but pretty much all his friends are are gamers too. So I discovered that pretty quickly. And what was your first, uh, was there any like hot take on the fact that he was a gamer? I mean, was that the first time that you had encountered the hobby through him or were you familiar with, you know, this type of gaming? Um, my stepbrothers played, they played video games. I mean, they played like Mario Kart and stuff um, when we were growing up. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know as much about like the, like, board gaming and, and that's the, like the more intense games. Um, so I, I would say that was, yeah, it was, it was an introduction to me. I, I didn't, I don't really know that I had like a strong reaction either way, but, um, whenever he's tried to, to like teach me playing games, like I, I could find that any, any game that has a rule book that's like has to be bound by a, that has to be in a spiral bound <laughs> yeah. notebook, like that's not on a, an index card. It's, it gets a little dicey for me. So, um, yeah, that's how it got started. <laughs> how about you, Alex? Um, I think because Tom and I met online, so we sort of had quite a lot of dates to begin with where we were just getting to know each other. So I think he did allude to the fact they had a YouTube channel. But I just thought a tabletop game was just a really, not fancy, I thought he was just trying to say they did like snakes and ladders sort of <laughs> and games like that. Um, I didn't realize that tabletop gaming is something that's a little bit different. So um, it was only sort of as we were further into dating that he started kind of to explain it. And then I was, obviously as I spent more time at his flat and could actually see the setup where he does all the recording, then that's when I kind of had a better understanding really that of what tabletop gaming was. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he was really your first exposure to the hobby itself. Oh, then. God. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even know that world existed. Yeah, yeah. So. And so he had already, not only had he obviously been a gamer when you guys met, but he was also obviously creating content at that point mm-hmm. as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So how about you, Andrea? Oh, I, I've we've grown into this together, haven't we? Um, so when I met Craig, he was big into, it was Warhammer, right? Yep. He was big into Warhammer, and he had shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of teeny tiny little men, teeny tiny little men. Um, they were all just like super. Some of them were like intricately painted. Some of them weren't painted at all. Um, and I didn't really know what to make of that, so uh, I kind of asked, and that was like his really big thing. Um, and for, I mean, frankly, for me, I'd never heard of that. Board games are the only like tabletop games that had ever made sense to me that in cards um and so like he tried to explain like he would explain it to me sort of like kind of like well, you do this and you move around and it takes like four and a half hours to play and i was like oh, you got a lot of time on your hands man 
Um, but in that realm is kind of how I learned. And then as, um, I mean, we've been, like Craig said, we've been married for a really long time. So he always finds something new. Um, and then somebody said, you should start a podcast. And then that became the big obsession. So we have a full recording studio and I'm pretty sure some sort of video recording studio on our third floor. Like I said, I don't go up there that often. That is not my space. Um, the rest of the house is my space. So, uh, that is kind of how it started and has grown and evolved. Um, is that Craig started with Warhammer has like evolved into a bunch of different games. We have hundreds of board games. Um, and then now it's, uh, Malifaux, which it's been for, a few years now. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and then he started, like he doesn't have enough to do. So he was like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Um, so yeah. Also, you didn't ask me what my thing was. Maybe people want to know. Well, what is your thing, Andrea? Uh, we have a six year old. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's it. <laughs> well, you talked about uh, how you had tried knitting and stuff when you had the conversation with Paris, but yes, you're right. I, I, I did. did not I did try. <laughs> okay. Um, so out of curiosity, um, you know, and, and this is really, you know, for the three of you, um, wh- what do you think, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Um, it, it, did you at any point during, you know, as your relationships developed, um, did you find yourself um, competing with a hobby? at any point in time where your time and att- time and attention in the re- for the relationship was competing with a hobby. Um, and I, I'm going to start with Andrea on that one. Andrea, at any point during uh, our dating and our marriage, have you felt uh, that uh, you were in competition with my other interests? Um, yeah. And we've talked about that before, for sure. Um, it's a lot. It is. So on top of this, right. And then the games um, and the YouTube channel, and we both have full-time jobs, right? So we both work uh, a lot. Craig works a lot, um, which I know some people probably don't realize, but he works 10, 12-hour days. Um, sometimes he has to get up at 2.30 in the morning to take phone calls um, from overseas. So it's a lot. So we, we've I've definitely felt that way. And on top of that, um, you know, Craig runs tournaments and goes to – he does, like, gaming once a week. So it's a very difficult – and I – I have nothing, but I don't really have a hobby. Um, so it's a very difficult balance for me to have to say, like, we can't, you know, like, no, you can't, <laughs> no, you can't go gaming today because I haven't seen you in two weeks. And it'd just be nice, like, to hang out maybe for like a minute. Um, and we have really full, you know, we both have like really full schedules and really full lives. And I understand that for Craig, it's very important to kind of keep that um, portion of his brain going. So making sure that he's able to be creative and calming and he works from home. So he doesn't get to talk to a lot of people. So it's probably good for him to go talk to other people. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a struggle. How about for you, Alex? Have you ever found that there was trouble balancing that? Um, I think the thing that I struggled with to begin with was that if Tom was recording it, the the amount of time it would take and that I wouldn't hear from him. Um, so when you sort of first start dating, you want to message all the time. And, and sometimes I'd find I'd message and then it'd be 
hours and hours <laughs> and hours and hours until I'd hear back. And me and my brain would suddenly be like, oh my God, he's not interested anymore. But, but actually, no, what he was just doing was he was just recording a game of Gill Ball for hours and hours and hours. And, and to him, that was nothing. But to me, it was like, oh, well, there was no point in that time when you could have just picked up your phone and messaged me back. But, but, no. but, <laughs> but, no. but now obviously having actually seen the process, I get no, because it, it's, it's recorded. And when he first started recording Malifaux, the first time that that was done, it took a whole day. And I'm used to sort of it being maybe four hours, you know, but this was like 11 o'clock in the morning till like six o'clock in the evening. And, and when I don't talk to people a lot, I go very quiet in myself. And then sort of, so when Tom's done and he's bouncing from sort of recording, I'm very much like, hmm, okay. And it's hard not to come across as if I'm mad at him for using the whole day. And I'm not, it's just that sort of like, I understand now that it, it, it takes a lot of time. And then once I'm aware of that, I'm absolutely fine. But I think it's the, it's a very time consuming hobby because it's kind of like a second job in a way and they've got to dedicate the time to it. So now that I've been with him long enough and I know it doesn't really bother me at all anymore, but to begin with sort of having to understand that sometimes he can't talk to me or he's not able to and it's not that he's not interested in me or anything. It, it's literally just that that's just what it, it requires. But, but yeah. Does any of that resonate with you, Paris? Um, yeah, I think one of the, uh, definitely one of the things I've learned is Kyle's usually pretty on time with most things, but whenever he says he has a tournament or he has a game, he's off by like one to two hours. Like he'll say he, he'll be back at two and then it's, he's back yeah. at like 530. 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I, now, uh, I, I, I've kind of gotten used to it. Um, he, so I work eight to five Monday through Friday under normal hours um, most of the time. And he, uh, he works a second shift at a TV station. So um, before a couple of months ago, he just had Thursdays and Fridays off and then Sunday or su- yeah, Sunday mornings, he goes gaming with his friends. So uh, pretty much Friday nights were the only times we had available. And sometimes that gets tricky with, with his podcast, with recording, because there are people overseas and like trying to get um, the right, trying to schedule the right time to, to meet with people can be, can be kind of tricky. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's the amount of time and then yeah, trying to schedule time for, for podcast interviews can, uh, can be, can be hard to, to find time to spend together sometimes. Everyone's much nicer than I am. <laughs> <laughs> How so, Andrew? I just feel I'm like, yeah, no, sometimes I never see him. And like, yeah, the tournament thing is true too. Cause there's a lot of times where it's like, ah, uh, the tournament starts at eight. I'm gonna leave here at like seven. All right, well, whatever, that's fine. And he's like, I should be back like maybe around like three or so. And then at seven thirty, I'm like, hi, coming home <laughs> or what are we doing? And a lot of yeah. times it's like, well, I have to like help clean up. No, you don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? You know what? I can use help cleaning up because I've been entertaining our kid all day and making sure our dog doesn't eat all of her stuff. And like, maybe you should just come home or like let me know. He's coming home. 
four and a half hours later. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, I kind of want to dig into this a little bit more. And I want to kind of learn how each of these people have kind of managed um, not only the fact that these hobbies and ca- creating content takes up a lot of time, but also managing the amount of space it takes up as well. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, here on the third floor, you'll find us playing Malifaux and other games on Mats by Mars. They are scratch-resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, and lighter than neoprene. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. Pick a mat size, pick a design, then choose an overlay like the one for Marvel Crisis Protocol or Malifaux 3rd Edition. It will speed up deployment and the placement of strategy and objective markers. If you're going to Adepticon this year, be sure to check out the Mats by Mars booth. Until the end of March 2020, you can use the new promo code THIRDFLOOR320, that's THIRDFLOOR320, to get a 10% discount on your next order. In the notes, you can ask for the Third Floor logo to be put on your mat for free. Again, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR320 to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Howdy friends, Craig here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com, that's with one M, or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R-F-R-I-E-N-D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. mats. 
So really one of the ideas that we kind of left with before the break is, you know, kind of managing or the, the challenges of time. Um, and when somebody is filming, recording a podcast, playing a game, painting miniatures, um, all of that takes up not only a ton of time, but a ton of space. Um, so Alex, I'd be curious to know, you know, how do you guys manage, um, you know, both time and, and the space that this hobby and uh, content creation takes up? Um, well, I mean, when we decided to move in together to buy a house together, um, we knew straight away that we needed a room for Tom's gaming um, because obviously he does sort of the recording for the channel and all the editing. And so um, that was like a major factor in the house buying decision, how big a house we got. Um, so I think our, our, yeah. So I think your third floor is uh, a lot like the study. It's a uh, part of the house that I don't venture much into part to sort of just pop in and speak to him when I need to. Uh, but no, it is filled with, like you said, boxes and boxes and boxes of teeny tiny little miniatures of all sorts of different games, games that I've seen in play games that I haven't seen in play games that I'm sure he will play someday. Um, <laughs> like figurines he'll paint one day. Yeah. Just in case, yeah. just in mm -hmm. case. Um, so yeah, so, um, but he's, he is good at sort of keeping it in that room. Um, my stuff sort of kind of spreads out to whatever surface there is. Um, whereas he is quite good at having a room that is specifically for that stuff and kind of keeping it in there. And he, he keeps it quite tidy as well, which is always good. Oh, but. are you lucky? <laughs> <laughs> Cause, uh, so we did the same, right? In, in buying our house, just getting to the point where we could buy a house is a big deal. But, um, when we started looking for, we, we looked at like so many houses and I was like, Hey, you could have like your office in here. That could be cool. And you could take a room for gaming. And he was like, no, I, no, I don't think that could work and blah, blah, blah. And so when we finally saw this house and the third floor is the entire footprint of our home, which is pretty decent size. I, and I saw it first. It's ironically right down the street from where I used to work. And, uh, I walked in with our, our realtor whose name was Harv which not, could not be more appropriate. Um, I saw it and I was like, no, this looks really nice. And he's like, there's a bonus space. And we went upstairs and I was like, well, we're going to buy this house. We're not <laughs> even going to pretend like we're not. Um, I'm going to take one look at this and be like, we will make this happen. And uh, and we did. And I feel, um, I, I'm impressed that you can get everything keep, kept to one room. Um, because never mind how much space is up there things start to migrate downstairs, I think, quite a bit, um, like painting stuff or shipments, guys, Amazon to our house and game stuff and stuff from China and stuff from Scotland and all the time is like all over my dining room table right now. Although you did clean it off a little bit, which I appreciate. Um, love to see the bottom of it one day, but ooh, we're so close. Um, but yeah, that's a tough, that's the whole reason we have this house is that floor. And it is, and it is full, like so full that I think I said to Craig the other day, I was like, look, uh, you all the storage, so we should consider maybe moving some stuff <laughs> that you have up there. Um, and I haven't told you this, well, I think I mentioned this to you, Craig, but I, I was looking at a professional organizer the other day. Cause I was like, I wonder if I get this for Craig for like five hours, have him come up and help 
organize that space up there because it's pretty, um, it's a lot. There's a lot up there. There's a lot going on. It's very difficult to walk up there. Our dog is definitely not allowed up there. So it's a, yeah, one room. You've got like four rooms. (laughs) (laughs) You have a floor. It's a full floor and it is. It's a big how what what how many square feet you think that it's is? About seven hundred square feet. Yeah. So he's basically got an apartment. And so the other day he was like, "I wish you put like a bathroom up here." No, then I would never see it. It's so stupid. I would never see it. <laughs> bathroom yeah. and a kitchen. Right. And that yeah, he's like, "We should like finish out." And I was like, "Oh, there's so many other things that need to happen in my space." <laughs> so we're not gonna we're gonna wait on that. For sure, we do need that. One thing we do need to do is insulate the upstairs because it's the reason that my room is freezing cold. But um, and it's it is cold up there or hot depending on the season, obviously. But um, but yeah. Paris, how often does it invade your space, or how do you guys manage all of that? Uh, I think we're still working it out. Um, uh, hearing that you considered the gaming hobby before you moved in sounds like we, we probably should have done that a little more. Um, before we were in, we bought this house in uh, October of 2018. And before that we were in a two bedroom apartment and with that two bedroom, like Kyle had one bedroom that was just all his stuff. Um, and that, that worked pretty well because he, he kept it pretty contained. Um, but with this house, I feel like we're still negotiating the space because he has, he has this whole room that I'm in right now with the board games, um, behind me. Um, and then we also have a sleeping porch, which is like a covered porch. Our, our house is really old. Um, but we have a, a covered porch in the back that's like a really nice space that I thought like I would get to go out there and I could sit and have breakfast. And then like almost immediately when we moved in, he just took it over because <laughs> that's where he puts out like games for when his friends come over and, and plays there. And I'm like, well, I would like some of this space. Like this is a really nice room. So I kind of, I, I put in some shelves and I'm like kind of trying to say like, okay, I can have like this half and um, I'm trying to, to work that out. But yeah, it's, it's a little tough. And, uh, our house really only has one closet and oh, we moved no. in. Yeah. <laughs> we moved in oh. on a Saturday night and the next morning I had to get up to go to on a flight for work. And it, when I came back, it's all board games, like the one closet, there's no space for me or anything else in there. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been trying to chip away at that a little bit more, but I, I think I've learned that if we move again, I'm going to have to mark off my space before he gets to it. So, you um, need a third floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's definitely a, a struggle still. Um, so it sounds like Paris, you know, to a certain degree, Andrea and Alex, it sounds like you guys have kind of figured some of it out, especially from a space issue. Um, whereas Paris is in the process of, of fighting the good fight. <laughs> um, w- what kind of advice would you give Paris in that process? Uh, <laughs> move, but you don't have to move. <laughs> yeah. that doesn't seem very fair. Um, I think marking off your territory is really smart. I think it's also, and at least, at least with Craig, who has a tendency, like, he gets really into something. Like, I'm surprised Malifaux has lasted as long as it has. Um, he gets really, really into something, and he'll be, like, just, go- like, gung-ho, balls to the wall for, like, six months. And then, like, something shiny walks by, and he's like, ah, shiny! And then that's the thing for six months. Um, so we end up with a lot of 
extra that he's just not interested anymore. He doesn't care about anymore. So I would say like purge, like encourage him to purge as much as possible. And like, I I say this and take my advice with a grain of salt because I cannot tell you, I'm about to make him turn his computer around so he can show you how much stuff he has that hasn't (laughs) been opened, that's still shrink wrapped, that like he'll never, I was like, if you live 16 lifetimes and all you do is paint, you will not reach a third of the things that you have. Cause it's just, I mean, it's just the, you know, it's like the law of diminishing returns. Like you literally can't do it. Um, so I would, I would highly recommend purging and get and like his, like this, if you have one closet, we need a new closet. We need to build a closet. We need to get rid of a bathroom. Like that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That would be, it should be a one in one out. You oh, get a new God. game, you give up a new game and they tell you kickstarters. The, a sort of, I feel like gamers, they'll see something, it's a Kickstarter, and they'll support the Kickstarter. And so even though the game doesn't exist in your existence at this moment in time, you know yes. in six months' time that a game <laughs> will appear. And it's great that they're supporting new games and everything, but then unless... Because like sometimes you have games that not a lot of people play, and unless you have people within the community that play it, then you can't really play it. So Tom's got a game called Aristea, which he loves but it's only recently that he's kind of met someone that can play that game. So that game was kind of sitting there on the shelf for a while. So it's, 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 it's like you said, that shiny, there's always something new. So it's kind of like when you think that's it, it won't be because then there'll be something else. Never. If we did one in one out, that would have been, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, If we had done one in one out, I think, I think that would have worked really well. The problem is Craig works from home and I don't. And so when Amazon comes <laughs> or the Kickstarter, you know, like when that comes finally, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We have something coming in, um, but we would have had to have got, I've gotten so many. I mean, he like at, when we started, it was at like an, an incredible rate, but the Kickstarter thing. Oh my God. That's so true. And that's true. God bless Craig for everything. Um, He's like, there's these new cutters on Kickstarter that I found, and I think they're really great. And there's a new lamp on Kickstarter that I and I was like, can we stop? With the, like, I love that. I love that there's innovation and that people support that, and I think that's great. I feel like we support a lot of Kickstarters, a lot. <laughs> and there's some that I'm, I'm sure there's so many that we haven't even gotten yet. So, good call. Sorry, Paris. Yeah, yeah, the surprise ones where something will show up and be like, oh, yeah, I supported this like two years ago and <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I grew up in a household where like my, I grew up with my mom and my grandparents and like they, my grandmother was like kind of almost fanatical about clearing stuff out. So I guess I kind of have some of that too. It's like if something hasn't been used for like three years, I think, oh, we got to get rid of it. Whereas like, Kyle, I find like once once there's a game in the house, it's like really hard for him to get rid of. And then there's a lot of stuff like, oh, I should probably sell that that he's mm-hmm. thinking about selling for like five years <laughs> and that we've moved <laughs> with twice. So, yeah, I mean, just stuff that's just like there that you're never going to play. Like, yeah, getting him to to clear up some of that because each of the board games are take up a lot of space. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of tough. So I'm still working that one out. Sure. <laughs> God, it's so funny you say that because we have, Craig, if you had to do a conservative estimate of how many board games are on your third floor right now in that on that baker's rack, how many would you say there are? 
seven, eight, maybe? Lies. Seven D, maybe? <laughs> oh, I wish it was 70. To be, to be perfectly honest, um, I, I probably own over 250 board games. Wow. Yeah. Ask me the last time we played a board game. <laughs> well, they some of them do get played. A lot of them gets played at the camping trips and stuff like that. But no, it... Um, there was, uh, before I found Malifaux, um, there was a year, year and a half that I was really into board games. Um, and so that's where I accumulated a lot of those. Um, the, it, um, I was not imposed with a one in one out, which was, um, nice for me, but I'm sure frustrating for my wife. Um, <clears throat> but, um, one quick question and, and, um, Andrea, I'll start with you. So, I want to get into a little bit of advice as far as managing time and managing space. And who we're talking to right now is the other side of you guys, right? So it, again, we're talking to men and women who are gamers who might have significant others that aren't. What advice would you give somebody like me um, as far as, you know, how to be better about managing time and space to uh, make it less of an issue potentially in the relationship itself? Oh, are we going to devolve into like a couple therapy moments? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I would say communicate often and out loud and more than once. Um, and a calendar, which we have, uh, doesn't necessarily do it. Um, for instance, Craig, uh, before Christmas, um, and we took our, we took our kids to Disney World, um, in January which was really close together. He spent just like all this time recording and having people over and doing live casts and editing. And I think that's the other thing that people don't think of. It's like, yeah, you record. And, oh, it takes like an hour, an hour and a half or whatever. But then there's all the editing time that goes into, into that. And then there's the, obviously, you know, we had a 40 minute delay trying to figure out, you know, get my sound and why it doesn't work. And it's so much, it's so much kind of just unthought of time um, but Craig was logging a lot of hours because he was trying to put together a ton of content so he didn't have to worry, right, over Christmas or New Year's or while we were gone for our daughter's birthday or any of that. So, but I didn't know that, right? So I was like, I haven't seen you in three and a half weeks. And so, no, I don't want you to go gaming, um, which makes me feel like a bad person because I'm saying no. Uh, and that's just a whole other therapy lane we can go down later. Um, but... And he said, he's like, well, I'm trying to like get a lot of stuff into the can so we so I don't have to do it later. But I didn't know that. Um, so I think it's like a lot of communication. I think it's a lot of, it's a lot of understanding that your partner wants to see you and wants to spend time with you and doesn't want to talk about gaming because it's either something you're, they're not interested or they don't care about and maybe ask them about stuff they care about every once in a while. Um, I think that, I think the biggest, and I think it's hard too, right? Because in your head, it just makes sense. Like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this, and like, there's nothing on the ca our calendar is quote unquote open. Um, but we don't book family dinners or outings or any of that stuff. So I think it's, um, I think it's, it's understanding that like open, free time isn't always free time, um, and then just being really clear about how much time you're going to be spending. Um, Knowing, like, if it's like, I know if Craig goes on a tournament, which I think he has in the next week or so, a couple weeks, like, I just plan for him to be gone all day. Um, I know you're going to be gone in the morning. I know you're probably not going to be back until after the sun comes down. 
I know that like I'll probably be putting her kid to bed, all that stuff. And sometimes she comes home a lot earlier and it's a surprise and shock, but it's just that planning and understanding. Um, and then having the, the conversation of like what's kind of happening. Yeah. I, I think communication is definitely key. Um, I have to say I'm quite lucky with Tom in the sense of, and I don't know whether it's because of our jobs, we're both teachers. So we get sort of one, two weeks off every now and then. And Tom is very good at making sure that um, if he say has, because our holidays don't always match up. So say if he's off a week before me and I'm at work, he will try his best to make sure that he does any recording he needs to do in that week so that we are a little bit like you said about Christmas time so that when we do have the time off together, it's not being taken up with game and things. Um, but yeah, I think people sometimes don't see, like you said, the other stuff, there's the recording of the game, but then the editing does take up a lot of time as well. And Tom will spend, you know, most evenings in the week, sort of, if he's not doing schoolwork, it'll be um, editing videos or creating content and, and what I do understand is that because of the nature of the YouTube channel, he has to have constant content. Right. So he's always got to have something in the bag, you know, so like that game's going out this week and they've got the Patreon this week. And then so that will come up that week. And I know he's always feels the most content when he knows he's got enough videos. But then sometimes he'll have like a, a dry spell where you can't always get people to record and then sometimes that's when the recording escalates and there's a lot more going on and I, and I don't see him as much um but I am aware sort of like that you know it, you've just, you have to have stuff all the time prepared and in the bag to go onto YouTube um I think it's just sort of you need to sort of just be aware that it's not that we don't want you to do these things. We don't want you to not enjoy your hobby. Of course we do. It, it, it's your hobby. It's just that sort of, you know, we want to spend time with you. And, uh, you know, it comes from a complete place of love when we're sort of like, oh, well, you know, okay. Are you right? Okay. You're recording. Okay. And it's not, we're not like, I don't ever try and be funny because I sort of, I'm mad at him. It's not that. It's just a case of like, oh, well, I thought we could sit and watch a film or something, but if he's got stuff to do, he's got stuff to do. But no, he is very good at sort of, you know, telling me ahead of time as well. He'll never just sort of spring it on me that he's going to be recording with someone. He will always kind of be like, well, I was thinking maybe at this point in the future, we'll have that. And he'll always ask me if it's okay. And I always will say yes, because I'm not going to be, you don't want to be that kind of person who's like, right. oh, no, no, you can't do that. like, because again, it's his hobby and it's what he loves doing and stuff. But no, communication and prior knowledge that something is going ahead is always good. I think that's a good point too, Alex, about the Patreon. Um, because I know Craig has one set up, which is really important to him. And, and he's like really um, invested in his patrons, right? Because it means a lot to him. I think that people are willing to support this hobby. I am very thankful because it really helps us and our bottom line because all of that and I can say this with a hundred percent accuracy uh, all of that goes into all of his gamings and all of his hobby I think too um, as people as you know smaller gaming places or the map places call you know for for sponsorships and they want him to do unboxing and they want you know that adds all that adds more time Um, and again like when it comes to sponsors and when it comes to patrons he's that's going to be really really important right, to get that done, to get that in. Um, if they call and say, you know, we've got 
We've got a new game coming out or a new expansion coming out. We want you to talk about it. We want you to film it. We want you to do it. I mean, and that is, has to be done in like a, a certain window of time. Um, and so it's, it's understanding. And I get all, you know, I mean, I get all that to the extent of like, I don't have patrons or sponsors or anything, but as far as from like an ob, you know, an obligation like to your fans and to your sponsors to do things, um, but again, that's like another piece, right? It's not just the playing. It's not just the recording. It's not just the filming. It's, you know, when it comes to, to patrons, when it comes to, um, sponsors, it's really important too to keep that relationship going. Um, so they're managing a lot of, they're managing a lot of relationships within the hobby. Paris, um, one of the things that I heard from both Andrea and heard both from Matt and from Alex as well is, um, it, it's tricky saying no. Um, so, you know, I often will ask Andrea, Hey, can I go to this tournament at the end of the month? Or, you know, is it okay if I have, you know, five people over and we're going to take over the entire third floor for a day and a half to do some recording. And, you know, I, I know that Andrea struggles saying no, cause she doesn't quote unquote want to be that wife. Um, and Alex, you kind of alluded to it too, that, you know, that it's tough saying, no. do you have a, a challenge pushing back Paris sometimes? Um, I'm, <sighs> I don't think I've, we've really run into that many situations where, where I have to say no, honestly. Uh, I mean, as long as you know about it in advance. Um, and yeah, I, I think, um, what was said before is, is really true. Like just the pre-planning and, and like, and you like, you have to sometimes schedule your time together and, and have that as a block. Cause I, I find that like if, if we have our time and then just everything around that, we'll get, filled up with games um that that works really well but it's if you're sort of expecting maybe to spend time together but you don't have anything like defined on the calendar that then that can get filled up with other things um so i I, yeah I, i guess i haven't really run into that situation too much where um where there's there's a conflict and part of that's because we work sort of opposite schedules too, because he works in the evening. So he can do whatever he needs to do during the day. And, and I wouldn't be around anyway. That's nice. Yeah. I would imagine Paris is in a weird way that helps, right? Because yeah. uh, he's able to fill the non-overlap time and maybe be more focused during the time where you guys are those few times. It sounds like where you guys aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess uh, we're talking about like the, the time it took, takes to edit. I, uh, I think one of my, one of the things I learned at the beginning of this was that, like, to me, the editing is like all a part of the hobby and like, that's like your fun time. But I mean, to Kyle, he likes, he likes interviewing people. He likes playing, but the editing to him is, is like work. And I'm like, well, that's not work. That's like your choice. You didn't like have to do that. <laughs> but for him, it's like, oh, I spent all day and I didn't get to do anything I wanted to do. So yeah, just like knowing that the, to him, that's a job. But to me, I'm like, well, you had plenty of time. You could have like done dishes or, you know, helped out around the house. And so yeah, that's, we have kind of different perspectives on that for sure. That's so funny because it's true. Cause editing is not, I mean, I, I only, can only imagine, but editing is not fun, right? It's not the, mm-hmm. it's not the best part. Now, Craig gets really excited because he taught himself editing software and how to edit and he got all this. So like, he loves that part. Um, and I feel like every day is a little bit of a, I don't say every day, but every episode is a little bit of a competition with himself as to how good he can get it to edit, how good he can edit from like the last episode. Um, 
which is that's nice. which, and that's just how he is. Um, but it's true that they're like, well, that's not the fun part. Like the editing isn't fun. Like, I don't want to yeah. do the editing. It's like, but you wanted to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do, you know, like you can't, you can't just pick one without the other. So that's, that's interesting that he doesn't see it. He's like, but that's not, the, that's not, I don't like doing that. Like I have to do that. Right. Tom used to be like that, but with painting, because if you knew that he had planned to record a match and he had, say, a new guild that needed painting, he would always sort of be like, oh, I've got to get these models painted. So he'd have to lock himself away and get the models painted. He's got these contrast paints now, which make everything 50 million times easier. So he actually likes painting and does painting content for the channel. But I think sort of a bit like the editing, there's always elements to the hobby that you, you don't like. It's a little bit like teaching. I love teaching. I hate marking. And I think the editing is a lot like the marking. Yeah. It's a it's something that you have to do to get the, the product, but it's not the exciting part. And I get very, I don't know about you. I mean, I don't know if I'm going off a little bit, but I get a little bit protective because Tom will tell me about comments and feedback that they get on certain games or recordings and, and, and sometimes I think that the comments that people give, they don't realize that how much time and effort has actually gone into the process. And it's not just the one hour that they see on the screen that they go, oh, you made that mistake at such and such a thing. You need to do this next time. And I think I, I find as his, his fiance sort of a bit like, well, don't they know that you've spent like seven hours recording and, and then three or four hours editing and doing all the thumbnails and stuff. And I think sometimes people don't, realize that kind of like a throwaway comment is a bit like a shot to the heart to all the work they've done and all that time that it has taken that that time you've not had with them either and so i don't know whether that's just me but i just get a little bit overprotective over it when people are a bit negative after you've put so much work into it craig do you get comments i mean it's funny because like i don't i never read comments because <laughs> i've learned that yeah way. um so uh how do i put this um you never get negative comments and everyone loves you. That's right. Um, <laughs> it, it may have been a conscious choice on my part to um, shield those that type of commentary that Tom's talking about and what you talked about, Alex, from my wife. Um, because my wife can be very protective. Um, and, uh, to use your phrase, the, she can take the hoop earrings out real fast. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I think, um, now I'm very lucky because, uh, and, you know, I do understand what you're talking about though. Um, for me, it bal it's balanced out by just the, the sheer amount of kindness and love that we get both about the YouTube channel and about the, um, the content, but what's, what sucks is that you can get 50 just positive emails and positive comments and Facebook and stuff like that. Then you get one and it's just like, you know, son of a gun. And to your point, Alex, that you know, it's like, I, I work, I worked really hard on this. You jerk, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, I think it's good that my wife does not get involved with that because, um, I think like you, Alex, she would be a uh, very protective um, of me, um, she can get, she can mama bear real fast, real fast. Um, uh, but, uh, I am, a, I am a lot like Tom where I can be uh, thin skin's not the right word, but thin skinned, um, where, you know, like I said, the ratio of 50 to one, you, you suddenly forget about all the 50 nice things. 
Paris, how often uh, does the feedback Kyle gets or doesn't get become an issue? I guess I'm not that exposed to it. I, I just yeah. see him like look at his phone and then do this ah, <laughs> when he's reading one of those. And I know he's talked about like the people that are just around to point out like the one thing that got wrong or the one typo or like they just hang out online just to point things out like that and just like nitpick. Um that's really most of my exposure to that. I mean, those people are online everywhere. So um, I don't, we haven't really talked about it beyond that. And I think, yeah, that's the part that sucks. too. <laughs> so guys, let's take another break. When we get back from this break, I actually um, want to dig a little bit deeper into um, who games and what kind of people are gamers. And, um, what is it like to um, have a relationship with that type of person and that type of personality? So uh, we're going to do a little bit more uh, completely unqualified psychological analysis. Uh, I'm very on qualified. I don't know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> gamers and uh, having to uh, be in a relationship with one. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm James Hahn, and I'm a patron of Third Floor Wars because I'm a henchman who loses most of his games, and the podcast has tons of valuable information to improve your play as well as what to expect from other crews. You can support them too. The link is in the show notes, or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Big thanks to all of you patrons out there. We appreciate the fact that you find value in what we are producing. I need to give a quick shout out to some of our lifetime long top patrons. Um, so hats off to Nick Westbrook, Kevin Smith, Sam Newman, Stephen Morris, Craig Chuba, James Hahn, Jeremy Peace, Ambrose Ingram, and Brandon Somer. You guys are uh, the ones that have really done the most uh, for Third Floor Wars' Patreon, and we appreciate it. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. So uh, miniature gaming um, is is a pretty unique hobby. Um, It's not like um, woodworking or a lot of other hobbies. It is truly unique. And um, there's kind of two things I want to talk about here in this last segment. One, I want to talk about um, kind of how do you explain what your boyfriend, husband, fiance does to other people. Um, and I also want to talk about um, because you obviously are in a relationship with a person who games and you a lot of their friends are gamers. I want to talk a little bit about kind of um, what do you think is um, the psychology of that? Um, what type of person do you think um, is drawn to that? And what are some things that uh, you being a someone who's in a relationship with it that you have to be aware of? Um, so, um, Andrea, let's start with you. Um, you know, when you meet pe- new people at work or you're going to be bringing people over to the house, friends, new friends, or, uh, you know, the first time the subject came up with uh, mom and dad, um, how do you explain what I do to other people? Um, so my favorite is when uh, we had to explain that to my mom and dad um, because, yeah, so when 
Craig and I met, I was living in New York City and Craig was living in my old hometown in South Florida um, because we like to keep things as easy and uncomplicated as possible. Um, I would stay, I would fly home, I would see my mom and dad and I would I would stay with Craig. Um, and so he had everyone over to the house one day, including like all of my really good friends, um, which was really nice because that was, he was all about impressing them, which I was really uh, thankful for. But he had a whole room. Um uh, not a third floor, but a whole room. And there was just like shelves from literally floor to ceiling. And they were all filled with miniatures. Uh, like, at, like, and I mean, out of the box, like at each like individual miniature was placed um, on the shelf, which I don't know how he has any patience to do that, but he did. Um, and so my parents had come in and had noticed that. And my mom's like, so we're, we're Latin. And my mom said, what, what's with the muñequitos? The tiny, there's tiny little toys, tiny little dolls. What's with the tiny little dolls? And I, and so that's what she still calls all of his gaming, right? All of the gaming, the podcast, the YouTube channel. She's like, oh, it's muñequitos. Yes. That's just now the kind of blanket term for Craig's gaming. Um, and I remember saying, I'm like, so he plays like, a, I'm like, he plays a game like on a table and he paints these. And then it's like a strategy game and it's just like a completely glazed over face, um, which I don't blame them. I'm sure I had the same face. Um, but that has kind of evolved into, I try to keep it really short and sweet. So um, I always use risk as an example um, because I feel like a lot of people have heard of risk. Um, I've frankly never played it, but, uh, cause it takes hours. But the reason I say it is cause it takes hours and hours to play. Um, and you have to move stuff kind of around a board. And then uh, I'm like, it's that on steroids times a thousand. Um, is usually how I like to explain it. Um, and then for, for a lot of people too, it's, it's, it can be very easy, like kind of a very surface, just like it's like tabletop gaming. Um, I'll say like, it's like tabletop gaming and, and sometimes people are like, okay, cause they don't care. Um, but, or they don't see, right. Cause they don't go up to the third floor. Cause they don't, you know, need to do that in our house. Um, a lot of times when Craig comes home from a tournament or from a gaming, a game that he plays, he has huge, and this I'm sure is, is the same for you guys. Um, just like buckets of just like he leaves, like he's moving out of the house, right? Like there's a, a thing that like goes over the shoulder that looks like it holds poster board. I don't really know. I don't know what it is. Like, and then, like, like this, this stuff right here. Yeah, like, the big, <laughs> yeah, the like yeah, exactly yeah. that. But it's like, and it has handles and he carries it out. Um, yeah. And it takes him like two hours to load the car wherever he's going. Um, and so sometimes it stays downstairs. Uh, does not for long because I will pick them up and put them right at the base of the staircase because I'm like, Mm-mm, that doesn't belong here. Um, but a lot of times people will see that and be like, what is all that? And I'll be like, oh, that's all of this gaming stuff. And people are just like, that's a lot. It is. That's why there's a whole floor and not in my house. Um, and that's usually, that's kind of the, the explanation I, I try to give. Um, I, I won't lie. Sometimes I say it was an eye roll, like it's gaming. It's, you don't want to (laughs) know. Like it's a lot of explanations and stuff. Um, but what I do find too, is that if people, I'll be like, oh, he has a YouTube channel. People are like, oh, I like, I want to look at it. Like, uh, his sister was here and he was upstairs recording. He was doing a live stream and he's like, she said, oh, I want to like watch, you know, I want to see it. She's like, do you ever watch it? And I'm like, I live here. I don't need to watch it. I don't need to watch it. I live here. I'm out all the time. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, but she really got a big kick out of looking at it and seeing it and it helps give her a little, um, 
kind of sense of what it's like. And then a lot of people ask them, like, you can see it for yourself. Like, there's a YouTube channel, like, go right ahead. And I hope anybody that I've sent to that YouTube channel didn't uh, leave any negative comments because I will cut them. Um, well, you asked, sir. So <laughs> that's what you get. Um, I don't even know if I answered that question. You know, I think you did. Okay. I think you did. Um, how about you, Alex? I mean, how do you uh, explain it to your family, to friends that are, you know, not familiar with it? Um, I think um, my family, I kind of explained it in the sense because we'd met and there was, this was the guy I was dating and I, I was sort of telling them about him. And I think the, the game I went with to kind of explain it was The Walking Dead. Um, because I, I think the, the logic behind playing that is that you've got you and then you've got the zombies and there are tasks you have to do. And I was like, and it's like little models and you, you have to kind of get from this point to that bit, but there's things your character can't do. And yeah, it's really not easy to, it's not easy to explain. And what makes it more difficult is the character profiles on what, like, cause each character has a, a card and that card has like this set of reels. And then on the bottom half of the card is like another set of reels. And then on the back of the card <laughs> is like another set of reels. And like, so trying to explain that, um, like I've told my friends about it. My friends asked about it because being the sort of new doting girlfriend, when we first started dating, I would share things and on Facebook from his YouTube channel and I would watch everything on his YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, no, I don't anymore. I don't oh anymore. Oh my I God, don't. you are like the best girlfriend ever. Honey, you should marry Alex, honestly. Like- <laughs> he is, he is, he is. This, this, this July, oh. this July he is. Oh, oh congratulations. God. Yeah. Um, so, so like my friends kept seeing all this like, stuff that I just kept sharing. They were like, okay, what, what, what is this? And I was like, oh, he's got a YouTube channel and he does like games and it's, it's tabletop games. So it's like you have little models and you, you sort of move them around and, you know, and there's different types of games you can play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy one to, to explain really because there's, you kind of want to do it justice in a way. And I think the only way you could do it justice is that you go into a lot of detail. But then I think by the time you've gone into so much detail, your friends are a bit like, huh? So you just kind of go, yeah. Um, my mom and dad, bless them, are, um, cause they absolutely adore Tom. So they're always like, how's the channel going? How's he doing? What's, is he doing? Is any contest coming up? So they're quite supportive in that sense. Um, although my mom did think that Gil Ball was called Gay Ball at one point. Um, <laughs> she just hadn't heard me explain it properly. So she was telling my brother, my brother was like, what is this game that Tom is playing? And I was like, why? And he was like, because mom has called it Gay Ball. And I was like, no. Not, not that. Not, not that. that. I was like, it's <laughs> Guild Ball. <laughs> but that's my mother. Um, but no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of like, it's a hard one to explain. I think you just have to say it's basically you have miniatures and you have aims and goals that you have to achieve and you just move them around the board. And yeah, it's, it's like I said, it, there's so much to it that it's hard to describe in simple terms. But if your friends aren't familiar with it at all, then they, they won't really get it. Just. Yeah. I think I should steal that explanation because for the most part, I'm just like, Oh, it's a, it's a tabletop game. And. I, I can't really explain it that much better because I don't understand it that well either. <laughs> and then most of my family plays like Scrabble. So they don't really have a, a frame of reference to understand that stuff. I think Kyle, if he if he wants to explain it more, he can he can do it better than than I can. But yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't really tried to to make that much of an effort to explain it to people. So I'm not not the it, best. It sounds like you're trying to 
you try to end the conversation as quick as possible and move on. Well, yeah. And most people are like, oh, okay, that's a game. Like, yeah, they're not that curious either. So, yeah. So, um, Paris, let's uh, start with you. But obviously, I'm anxious to hear Andrea and Alex. Um, so you're exposed, obviously, uh, to a lot of gamers uh, by the nature of the person uh, that you spend a good bit of your time with. Um, I'd be curious to know what insights you have as far as um, is there some commonalities um, in the type of person um, that you think are attracted to this game? And with that, are there things that um, you have noticed that uh, gamers have as traits that not only um, you think, um, you know, attracts them to the game, but you have found as um, being traits that uh, possibly have made them better at things outside of gaming. Um, so let, let's start with the first part, though. Like, um, is, is there something that you have picked up on in the time that you've been exposed to this, um, both uh, with Kyle and with Kyle's friends and stuff that you've been encountered? What type of person do, do you think is attracted to this hobby? Um, I think the type of person who's, who can get kind of obsessive about things. I, I don't you, you can't play a game for, you know, five hours, six hours at a time without really being able to to be kind of obsessed with with something and really get into the intricacies um when we have people over and a lot of kyle's friends like they tend to cluster together and they get into arguments about like whether a, a like whether a hot dog is a sandwich or something like that like that that argument will go on for like hours so i feel like that sort of personality um likes this game a lot um i think i mean one thing i definitely like about about kyle and gamers in general is like you give them the game and they're happy like they're not you know running around the house knocking things over like they they pretty much uh, are, are very simple in that way um all right and, and that's a good thing um and yeah i mean i i guess my interaction with the people that kyle brings over is pretty i mean they're just like out on the sleeping porch playing games and and I never see or hear from them. So I don't yeah. I don't really interact all that much to to give you more more detail than that. Well so so Paris, kind of the focus and obsession piece. Um mm -hmm. obviously, you know, Kyle, I mean, he's been doing the podcast for a lot longer than I've been doing my podcast. He's been playing Malifaux longer than I played Malifaux and I doubt that that was his first game. Um, what do you think drives that level of focus and obsession about something? Um, is there anything that you think that, uh, that drives that? And do you see that in other aspects of his life or fr his friends' lives? I don't know if, if, if you're into this game, if you'll so much time for, <laughs> for any other, uh, things, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, somewhat, I, but I, Kyle's just mainly into games and, um, like, into like fantasy series, like books or um, TV shows. Like he likes the ones that are, you know, like a long saga versus more, more one-offs things. So um, maybe, maybe in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Alex? Um, I would put them into two categories. I would say that you do have your stereotypical gamers. So if you said gamer to someone, that I feel like that that kind of maybe thirty something year old man. That, if you get what I mean, goes to the comic book store. I do think you have those gamers, but then I think in the other half, well, from only from my experience with the people that that I've met through Tom through game is that it takes all sorts. I've met like 
20-something-year-old science teachers, but then Tom is also friends with a guy who is in the military who also plays these games. And then there's his best mate, Paul, who's, you know, like a scouser who sort of has worked in finance. And I, I feel like sort of there are the stereotypes, but then I think it, it sort of, I think if something, it's something about the game appeals to different people. I don't know whether it's the, the, the gameplay or whether certain game systems attract them. Like if you really like Harry Potter, there's Harry Potter. If you like Lord of the Rings, there's Lord of the Rings and you get into it that way. I know for Tom, I'm sure that he had Warhammer, I think it was when he was younger, he had all those models. And so he kind of left that and it developed into like a video game interest, which he still has. We were playing Uncharted 4 before. Um, and then sort of as he kind of got older and started the YouTube channel and met Paul, then it kind of developed more into these different games. Um, but yeah, I just sort of, I think, I think it takes all sorts really. I, I think you have to kind of look at, you know, how people got into it to understand what their interest is in it really i mean because like like i said i have played these games and my connection into it is tom so question for you alex do you think that there's something that tom um really kind of a, a muscle that he flexes when he games right so a mental something mental um that really um that he uses in gaming that you also think makes him good at something else outside of gaming. So is there, is there any crossover benefits in your mind? So is there an aspect of what makes him a gamer that you see um, in other aspects of his life and you think it's beneficial? He's very good at winning. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that so competitive? I'm very competitive. And Tom is not as competitive or is not as vocal as I am about competitive. I'm very like, if it's not going well, I, I make it known. Um, which is not a great character trait, but it's there. Um, Tom's very good at sort of like he can just, he can adapt. So if he's not doing something well to begin with, he'll keep going at it. Um, so like it, it took him a while to get his head around Malifaux. I know he was reading all like different things about it and now he's really, really good at it. And that that is it, what he's like. We could go bowling and I can beat him the first two games and then he will absolutely smash me the next six. That's just what I've gotten used to. Um, so I think he's just, I think he's quite logical. And I think that's what he likes about the games, that there's the kind of rules and regulations and that you sort of, you play within those rules and regulations, but it's fun at the same time. Um, yeah, so I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of like, because his gaming seems so kind of separate, you know, and mm -hmm. I know he's an amazing teacher, but I don't see him teach. I just assume that he's amazing because that's, <laughs> that's what I think. But um yeah, I just think he sort of is quite quite logical about how you should do things. And I think that stems a lot into the game and that there's a kind of, there are rules and there's a right and wrong way of playing. And I know he gets frustrated if he gets something wrong. Um, you know, if he watches back and he's editing and he's like, oh, damn it, I've just realized that we did that and we shouldn't have done that. So I think that kind of plays into the way he thinks a lot about life is that, you know, she should be doing things a certain way. And sometimes if it doesn't, you know, then he likes it that way, but... Alex, would you, would you consider Tom obsessive? No, not not really. I, I, out of the two of us, I would say that I'm more obsessive. I can get very deeply into things and then then put them aside quite easily. And then I, I think Tom's actually sort of like, he, when he gets into something, he always kind of says, but I know that if I wanted to, then I could just put this aside if I needed to. 
Um, so I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's that obsessive, but I can understand that being a trait that is consistent in other gamers as well. Well, well, I think there's a distinction. It sounds like Tom is in the latter, which is there's obsessive and there's focused, right? It sounds like Tom can be very focused and that is something that, you know, shows up as him as a gamer and maybe potentially outside of as a gamer, right? Where he can say, hey, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to get better at this. I'm going to learn this, which is different than being obsessive. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris, do you consider Kyle having an obsessive personality? Um, when it comes to this game, I, I think, yeah, more more obsessive than not. Um, I mean, I know, like, I, like if he if he has a bad game, it, it takes a while to cool off from that. It, it not forever, but um, he'll he'll definitely be be annoyed or, or be in a bad mood for a while. Um, in, but not not so in other parts of his life. So, like overall, I wouldn't consider him a, a super obsessive person. But I think mm-hmm. when it comes to this game, definitely. Andrew, does any of this sound familiar to you? It all sounds super familiar. <laughs> Although you don't you don't get upset if you lose a game. Um, That's because I lose a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, habit. Um, but no, I, but even in any other game, right? Like anything else we play, um, which is probably to say, cause he wins so often that every once in a while, a loss is just not that terrible. Um, I do think that logical reasoning, uh, thing that, uh, Alex is talking about applies to you very much. Um, like Craig will read, like he gets a game and then it's like, I won't see him for two hours because he needs to read the rule book and he needs to understand. He needs to go back and he does like a practice game and he looks at it and he like re and then he'll rearrange everything. Right. So he'll take um, all the pieces and put them in a Ziploc baggie and label the baggie. He'll take all the dice, put it in a Ziploc baggie, label the bag. Like it's very methodical. Um, and I do think you do have a little bit of OCD um, when it comes to kind of setting stuff up your way. Um, and I don't think it's specific to gaming. I think, I think it, you let like your obsessive flag fly with gaming a little bit more than you would do it anywhere else. Um, I also think I'm also really interested in this question. And the reason we talked about it is because this is, this is people are going to be very shocked by this. Craig is one of the most introverted people ever. Um, is very and I am not. I'm a very extroverted person, which makes for a super fun marriage for him, I'm sure. Um, but it's. It, I always wonder if like that's where introverts are kind of able to re to get like a social fill, and they still need to recharge at the end. But it's but it kind of fires on so many different levels that it feels like um, it 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 feels like the the right way to be social, if that makes sense, or the right way to get that social interaction. Um, and I, and I know that's true for Craig. I know that, um, that getting out of the house, like, and, and like just going to hang out at a bar isn't fun for him, but like playing four and a half hours with six people or five people or whatever is, is like great for him. And he loves it. He doesn't come back like socially drained or really tired you know, he definitely comes back tired, but I'd say more invigorated, um, which I don't get because I, I would be like, I, so it's so, like, to me, that takes so much brain power that it would be very exhausting. Um, so that's, that, and I think that's kind of what we started talking about. It was like, is it like, uh, ex, it's like extroverting for introverted people, almost gaming, um, and making that like, 
being able to, to make that connection, but around something that's very structured and very, um, it doesn't require a lot of like actual like sharing or talking, but you're still like you're strategizing. I'm, I'm guessing now at this point, like now I'm just really guessing, um, but you're strategizing, you're talking about stuff and you're moving things forward and you're moving things back. So you're still fulfilling kind of a scratching like a social itch, but not, you know, peopling, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I sorry, I agree. I agree with that. Um, like Tom's social interactions are gaming, and that's mm-hmm. that's per- works perfectly for him because that's what he loves doing. I'm I'm the same, really. I I don't. I mean, I have my group of friends, but kind of like they're sort of married with kids and they're at that point in their life where we don't go out and I wouldn't want to go out anyway to, I'm not like, I've We're never been very married. tired, Alex. We're very yeah, tired. I know. I, and I completely understand that. And I, myself, the thought of going out anywhere sort of, no. Um, so like, so both me and Tom are quite home bodies in the sense of that we will, if we're going out, we will go out for lunch or we'll go out for a meal and then we'll be back. Like we went out for our anniversary. I think we were home by nine with our pajamas on. That was great mm-hmm. for us. Um, but I think for him, the game and that's his social interaction. And he's made some amazing friends, particularly through Malifaux as well in the last sort of, sort of six months that he's been doing it because he goes to sort of like a, um, a club somewhere to play it. And he's met like loads of really lovely blokes, um, who also play it. And I think that's sort of, you know, like you said, it, it's that's, he's not an extroverted person, but in those situations, it, you know, it allows those people those people makes them sound like something wrong with them. those people you people, you people. but it, it kind of made it's that's where they're comfortable because it's that kind of they're within their own sort of safe space in a way where they can just interact how they interact because it's all about the game but there's that social aspect to it so so i, I agree with that i think it's um it's kind of it is a social thing for them that yeah. they just love doing so yeah i agree too um we so I moved to Des Moines first and then Kyle moved a, a year later. And the first thing he did was set up a gaming group. And that's, that's pretty much how he made um, pretty much all of the friends that, that he has now. And so it's a great way to, to connect with people. And um, yeah, he's not really the type to just like go to a bar and like chit chat. Like that's not, he's just not especially interested in that. Not that he's antisocial, but you know, that's, I don't think that's like especially fulfilling for him. So he likes to have people over and, and play games. And, um, and so that it was a really great way for him to, to meet people here. And also like, since he does the podcast, I think he sees himself as sort of an ambassador in a way. So he wants to get more people into it. And, and that's part of why it takes him so long when he's going out to like a tournament or whatever is, is he sees himself as like needing to be like the teacher and, and teaching new people. So I think he, he enjoys that, that aspect of it for sure. Um, now when Andrea talks about me being an introvert, you know, you know, the classic, for those of you uh, listening who aren't familiar with it, you know, people typically think of introverts versus extroverts as introverts are people that uh, don't like having social uh, interactions and extroverts do, but that's really not what defines them, right? So what really defines the difference between an introvert and extrovert is is how they recharge the batteries. So where my wife is an extrovert and where she um, 
where she gets um, charged up, uh, where she gets energy is interacting with other people. Um, so having conversations, being being uh, connected with other people and, and talking and spending time with other people. That's where my wife gets energy versus me, who is an introvert. I get my energy from being alone um, and and being able to charge my batteries with time you know, being alone. Part of the reason that gaming has worked for me is because I can paint. Um, I can read rules. I can do things like that. And uh, it's a misnomer that, um, and that's why I think it was, you know, Andrew said people will be surprised Craig's an, inter- uh, an introvert is because I can be, if you've ever seen me in a social situation and I host a freaking podcast for crying out loud, I can do the social thing, right? I can, I can turn that on, but it's incredibly draining for me. It takes a, a tremendous amount of energy. Um, and I'd be curious to know, Alex, is that really Kind of where Tom falls, do you think? Where, where does Tom get his energy? Um, I don't think I could say he's definitely not an extrovert, but he's not an introvert because I don't think you can be as a teacher because mm-hmm. your day is literally uh, putting on a show for the kids. That's good. That, you know what I mean? That's sort of what it is. Um, but I know that sort of, sort of we, when we get home from work, we'll have like our time together and I'll, you know, I'll cook tea and we'll have like a couple of hours, but then we do kind of go off separate ways. And that's like you said, when Tom will sit and he'll do some painting or he will um, look at some, you know, some of the literature for whatever game he's in at the moment, or he'll do some editing. Um, so I think it's sort of, that's kind of, he likes to have his chill time. Or he'll play like Pez on the football game on, um, on the PlayStation. So he sort of that's kind of where he kind of gets his his energy because I think for both of us you you're in front of people all day talking so you need yeah. to for me it's kind of like you know I'll sort of watch things on Netflix or I'll sort of be doing things on my phone or yeah um, or, or like I'm sort of like Andrew and Teresa they like cooking I love cooking so like that's my therapy um, to like cook a meal that's why I like being off on holiday because I can actually cook proper meals not just things that when I get home but yeah I think sort of yeah Tom has those moments and he likes those moments and I understand he needs those moments as well you know because both of us do the same job so yeah Paris do you and um, Kyle have different ways of getting energy and recharging the batteries or are you guys pretty similar sounds like Alex and um, Tom are, 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 are similar and how they kind of recharge their batteries how about you two yeah, I, I'd say we're we're pretty similar. I mean, Kyle's a little more more social than I am, um, but but yeah, like if he doesn't get his time alone to game and to do whatever he's doing with the game, um, he'll be very very cranky. And I know that having <laughs> having that Sunday because Sunday mornings, like right now, he's he's with his friends. They have a standing coffee date date to play games like if he skips that like he he really doesn't doesn't like do, doing that it's really important for him to have that that regular interaction over games yeah well guys this was uh this was really insightful um and, and i think what was neat about it was to learn that that there's a lot of overlap for the three of you there's a lot of things that i think the three of you both experience you know all experience together but there was some uniqueness about it there and what I'm hoping um, for the listeners is it gives them a little bit more insight um, on, you know, the other side of the relationships that they're in, um, because it, um, you know, like we said several times, um, being a miniature gamer and being a tabletop gamer is very, very time consuming um, and it takes up a lot of time. And the better we are at negotiating and being successful and managing that, um, I think the happier uh, we will be. So uh, to close out, um, Andrea, what is what is the top level 
uh, message that every gamer listening to needs uh, to hear right now to uh, be better at being uh, in a relationship? I'd say there's two, which is just manage your space, right? Like be really conscious of your space and somebody else's space. Cause I think it's really easy to, to just overflow um, with all the things, you know, you get and then um, be really, really communicative about the time and, and the real time, not like the, oh, it's only take an hour when it really, when you know it will really take three, but you don't want to make the other person upset. It's just being really, really clear about time and setting priorities um, for the person in your life. I think those are, that's probably the most important. Paris, what is, what is your best advice you can give to all the listeners? Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. Just putting a priority on your relationship and, and, making it clear like when you'll have time together and and what space um, the other person will have and negotiating that is <laughs> is very important and also um, I think and as someone who doesn't game at all I think it's important for the other person to communicate like what what makes them happy and what their successes are because like I know Kyle's like really happy when his podcast has so many listens or or that sort of thing so it's important to like share your successes so the other person can be happy for you because like I I don't know what like a good good day in gaming is or what you know a win is there so he has to share that with me so I can I can be happy for him yeah how about you Alex what's the best advice you can give Balance is key. I think if you know ahead that you are going to have to do recording or you're playing games, that you have to be aware that this other person in your life wants to spend time with you. And, you you know, there's got to be that balance. If you know that one weekend you're going to do a load of recording, then the next weekend you need to keep that free, Um, you know, because we just want to spend time with you. That's all. Um, And I think for space... I think you have to be aware that if you are sharing a space that, you know, sometimes when it is overflowing, we're not always going to be happy about it. That doesn't mean we're mad at you and we want you to stop it and kind of give it up and burn it all in the back garden. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, (laughs) you know, it, it just sort of, you know, this is our home and, you know, we want our home to be nice. And so sometimes that means not having loads of stuff everywhere. I mean, like I said, I'm, very lucky in the sense that Tom does limit it to the one room, not a floor. Um, but um, <laughs> hey, yeah, careful. just be aware that, you know, like if it's your house and it's your space, that's one thing. But if you've chosen to sort of share your space with yeah. someone and, you know, invest in a property together and live together, then it's shared space. And, you know, you just, it's a home first, a gaming place second. Nice. Yep. Very, very, very true. Well, guys, thanks again. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I will uh, make sure that uh, Tom and Kyle don't listen to this episode. Um, so you guys, <laughs> you guys don't have to worry about it. Don't tell us any of the negative comments. <laughs> yeah, don't read any of the comments on the, the Facebook comments. page or anything like that. Um, but uh, uh, for those of you that are listening, I appreciate you making it all the way to the end. Everybody take care. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. 
everybody, friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Hey. That was good, guys. That was good. You guys are way nice, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> you could be married for like 10 years. The only thing, and you guys did a little bit of it, but I'd love more of it, is don't wait for me. Um, you know, if, if Andrea says something that resonates or, uh, Paris, if you, you know, you hear something that you say, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. And don't be afraid to ask each other questions either. Um, uh, the sooner, the sooner the audience doesn't hear my voice, the happier I'll be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. All right. What I'll do is I'll, I'll bring us back and I'll set it up. Um, and, or I guess actually a quick question. Um, Alex and Paris, do you guys live together? Not with yes. each other, but with, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. okay, good. All right, so I want to make sure I set up the space thing correctly. Can I ask, um, can I go to the bathroom real quick? That's it. No, you're done. Hang up. Yeah, hurry oh, up. It's so long to set up. That I was yeah, I could do with the as well, to be oh, honest with you. Well, let's let you guys come back when you're done. Okay, right back. All right. I had to, like, semi-make our bed, I feel like. <laughs> Good lord, we live with savages. <laughs> Although I do like the fact you've got a blanket the same as me. Oh, yeah, our room is freezing and Craig actually <laughs> bought he bought me for Christmas this like it's like a hoodie. It's like a ah. blanket hoodie sweater. It's called the Comfy. And um I work when I work from home and I work and our our bedroom is terribly insulated and it's very it's chilly and it's like usually five degrees colder than the rest of the house, so hmm. So yes, I'm I'm curled up in a blanket, and I've made it look like we don't live like savages. So, <laughs> all right, guys, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring us back. Um, and Alex, I probably will throw to you first. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, um, uh, Paris and Andrea, don't be afraid to jump in um, and uh, continue the conversation. 